Got a little distracted there with Gordon McDonald talking about inflation, you know, being at its highest point since 1991. And what happened in 1991? It was more than Michael Bolton being on the charts. It was a big year in British Columbia, too. And I'll bet our Vaughn Palmer remembers all about that. Good morning, Vaughn. Uh, good morning, Simi. No, I'm too young to remember what happened. <laughs> oh, you didn't cover the general election in BC in 1991 <laughs> that changed BC politics forever? Turned us inside out. <laughs> yes, it did. No, it was quite a, quite a year in BC politics. A year of, let me just think back. Yes, for sure. Three premiers that year. Um, Rita Johnson. Uh, well, first nope. Bill Vanderzan, right, Bill Vanderzan, Johnson, and then Mike Harcourt. Uh, You're year right. Of, year of three premiers and... Uh, Yes, the uh, Social Credit Party disintegrated, uh, and uh, Bill Vanderzam, well, didn't really disintegrate. He's still with us, uh, if you uh, follow him on social media and so forth. And, of course, he came back and slew the HST, so uh, British Columbians are in his debt for that one. But um, anyway, Mike Harcourt's still out there, too. Nobody nobody in B.C. politics ever really That's goes so away. Uh, right. You know, they're, they're all out there somewhere. And uh, I wish them all well and good health. That is so true. All right. Well, let's talk about continuing BC political stories. We've got a BC. That was the also the election that brought the BC Liberals uh, to yes. the opposition and made them a force. And now here they are about to pick another leader. Yes, uh, another leader. Uh, they've they've not been getting an awful lot of attention. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Our colleague Keith Baldry on Global last night said it's a leadership race that time forgot. Uh, but they got some attention last night, partly because they were uh, live on BC One uh, with a full debate and a panel discussion about how they did afterward. And I think anyone who did tune in and see it uh, would go, okay, the dynamic of this race is pretty obvious. It was mostly an executive summary, Simi, a gang up on Kevin Falcon, which confirmed that he's the obvious frontrunner, but it also confirmed that he's the candidate with the most baggage. So you can see that if uh, if he is the frontrunner, and that's the way the Liberals seem to be headed, um, he is also going to be uh, a controversial choice. Were there any telling signs from the candidates, too, that might, you know, come back to bite them a little bit later, maybe? Uh, yeah, I have to think uh, NBC, uh, sorry, NDP caucus research was had the uh, recording machines running last night and go, oh, that'll make a good uh, uh, election ad. Oh, that'll make a good election ad. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, one of the candidates... I think he was joking, but it's still, as a sound clip, uh, Gavin Dew said that uh, the uh, the Falcons critics uh, on the uh, on the membership controversy were making it sounded like the choice uh, was between racism and corruption. Uh, wow, that's a <laughs> oh boy, okay, <laughs> a win strategy in that. But but no, I mean it really was. Uh, Falcon got accused of backroom dealing. He got accused of countenancing uh, fraudulent memberships. He got called the candidate of the status quo. He got called the guy with way too much baggage. Uh, somebody even accused him of uh, you know not li- not having a seat in the house, so he was going to stick the party with the uh, challenge of coming up with a by election and and getting him a place in the house. So. It was a gang up. It sure sounds like it, too. Now, what were the top issues that they talked about? Well, they did talk about a few issues, although, you know, I have to say, I think, again, a member of the public who tuned in, as opposed to a a liberal 
member who tuned in who's, who's going to be voting in this race, race, I think a member of the public who tuned in would be going, when are these guys going to start talking to the public, stop talking about the Liberal Party? Well, uh, the the number one issue, I think, and it, it was flagged by our colleague Richard Zussman with the first question he asked off the top, housing affordability is really emerging as, uh, apart from the pandemic, the big issue in British Columbia. And and I think the reason for that is twofold. One is housing prices are going through the roof again. Second of all, housing affordability was a, a breakthrough promise for the New Democrats in the mm-hmm. 2017 election and again in the 2020 election. And they've got a 30-point housing plan. And in the face of that, we've got record housing prices and affordability is even more out of reach. So on that one, I think that is one of the big issues for the year. Uh, Interesting. We talked, I know you had uh, David Eby on last week, and he talked about the challenge of increasing the housing supply, and he made it clear that one of the biggest obstacles is local governments that are dragging their feet on approving new housing projects and NIMBY forces, people who don't want more housing in their neighborhood. Kevin Falcon said right off the top, answering the question, he will bring in legislation to expedite approval of housing projects at the local level. So EB's hinted that's the way he had it. he's headed. Falcon said, I'm going to do it if I get to be premier. Right. Did they talk about health care? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, they're careful on health care, right? Uh, you you want to criticize the government, and they do criticize the government for slow delivery of rapid testing, for people not having family doctors, uh, for... Uh, you know, the system being under enormous stress and everything, always you skirt around direct criticism of Dr. Bonnie Henry. There's no suggestion on that. That Falcon said at one point, he said, I'm reluctant to criticize the government on health care in mid-pandemic, but... And so you're getting targeted criticisms of the areas where, you know, I think the public shares some of those concerns, but they're much more careful on that than they are on the housing file. Right. Okay. But there's still... They talked about the whole public-private thing, too, because that came up. Yeah, they ducked that one, though. Did they? (laughs) (laughs) No. The the bait was thrown out to say, oh, you know, private health care is the uh, reason. And again, Falcon said, yeah, yeah, that's an old issue with the NDP. They always try to suggest we're going to American-style health care. But no, it's, I don't, first of all, I don't think it's in the cards. And I think it would be political suicide to suggest that. Um, There's a bit of tweaking around the edge of the system on private health care. They're, as Falcon pointed out, uh, the New Democrats uh, have had private clinics. There is obviously within the system and laboratories and testing and doctor's offices and private clinics and all that. There are private clinics in the province. The real issue is whether or not um, you have um, private pay for that, whether the, everything is covered under the public system. And for the most part, it is. And for the most part, it will continue to be so. Okay, so they're getting to the finish line here on yes. this on this BC Liberal leadership race. And I know that Kevin Falcon is perceived as the front runner here. He certainly treated that way in the debate, as you mentioned, Vaughn. But this is a bit dicey for Kevin Falcon be, just because of the way they are picking the leader. Like, he needs to have an overwhelming win on the first ballot if he, he really wants to tie this thing up. Yes, he does. The strongest clue, the only candidate who really picked up on that during the debate was this young guy, Gavin Dew. And he looked into the camera and said, 
make me your first choice, but if not, make me your second choice. There it is. Yeah. And what he flagged is that the liberals have a preferential ballot system. So the people who are voting don't just, well, they can just vote for the first candidate, but they can number their choices, seven candidates. So two, three, four, five. So what that means is, is if you're, if you're the leader on the first ballot, um, each the low vote getter on each round gets dropped and that person's second choices get apportioned and so if falcon isn't way ahead on the first ballot he could be defeated by people's second and third and fourth choices and this is not hypothetical as Falcons, the co-chair of Falcons' campaign could tell him, Diane Watts. That's right, yeah. Uh, last time, yeah, she was the first choice on the first four of five ballots, but she lost on the fifth because of second, third, and even fourth choices. That's where Andrew Wilkinson came from behind. He, he was in third place initially, but he kept climbing, and he finished ahead. So, this is a genuine threat, and that's why I think you saw last night uh, on the panel discussion following the debate, uh, the panel discussion, um, they said, they pointed out that it really matters who's second place and even who's third place, and those two candidates are probably Ellis Ross and Michael Lee. Lee finished third last time. Um, and Ross is the, the uh, MLA from Skeena, former uh, leader of the First Nation up there, and uh, one of the major leaders in BC getting the big LNG project in Kitimat. Right. So what you really want is to say, yes, absolutely, put, but you want to hang in past one ballot and yes. put, have as many people possible put you as their number two choice. Yes, very much so. And uh, heck, uh, take a number three choice. Uh, you know, take anything, really, because of the way preferential balloting works. There, there will be people out there who wanted British Columbia to switch to preferential voting in our general elections who will be reflecting on the irony of the Liberals having opposed that for general elections but supporting it for the choice of their own leaders. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun talking about last night's BC Liberal leadership debate and they will be selecting a new leader in the first week of February. And boy, that Ranked ballot system certainly makes it very, very interesting.